Rethink Aging. Discussions about life, planning, and growing older. I'm your host, Elaine, and with me is my co-host, Robert. Well, hello. Hello. I guess we, we already saw what the title to this episode is. The kids don't want the dishes. <laughs> and this is taken from our own experience of having multiple kids and having also been left with the various stuff of our now dead relatives. Sometimes hard to deal with all of the stuff. Yeah, you know, I mean, on the one hand, it, it sounds like a really helpful thing to help someone clean out their house after they're dead, but the reality of it on the ground is that you end up having to go through this kind of decision-making process that that maybe hasn't been part of your life before. All of a sudden, there's a bunch of stuff in front of you, and you are responsible for it. Some of the difficulty comes in when you or they have attached sentiment right. to an object. And I guess what we're talking about here today is that idea of taking the sentiment for an object that has been transferred to you and then dealing with your own expectations of that sentiment downstream from you. You know, the young people of 2021 are in a different situation than we were when we were young people, like in the 70s or 80s. The attitudes about family are different. The cultural influences are different. I also think my parents growing up in the 30s, 40s, had a different sentimentality or lifestyle than we had, too. And I think every generation kind of gets their deal out on the next generation. (laughs) Their deal, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure how to say that. My parents used to do a bunch of entertaining. And so it was very important to have like some nice dishes to use for that. I grew up with that. I grew up having those dinners. And now I have the dishes. But I don't have those dinners. My kids sure aren't going to have those dinners. So I think it kind of steps down. A real tangible example for that of me is I remember as a kid in that same way, like when we would have a a family get-together or, hey, so-and-so is coming over for dinner, you would get out the special plates and some totally different silverware and like create this entire other atmosphere that was not normal for your house. And part of the culture at that time was having all of those things to be able to do that. And these days, especially in our pandemic era, this is kind of not happening at all. And I think we began to see this with our own family probably over the last 10 years, that these sort of gatherings that we would have were pretty much informal. And and I understand that this could be different. There, there could be someone's family out there where they're still getting out the fine china and sitting down and having special teacup cozies and stuff. Definite, definitely, like we're talking from our experience. But for us, you know, things have really been pretty casual. Like, I don't know, I'm just going to speak for both of us here. I really treat our children, especially now that they're grown up, 
like some good friends that we have and we want to just like hang out with them. We don't want to have like special fancy time with our pinkies in the <laughs> air, you know, getting out the third knife and putting it down next to the, the place setting. I probably have more sentimentality towards the dishes than you do. Yeah. And we had a couple of, after my parents died, we had a couple of Thanksgivings where I pulled out the big blue dishes that we always used for Thanksgiving because there was a huge set. We had a lot of people. It mm-hmm. was a lot of work to wash all of the dishes, put them out, wash them, put them back. Yeah. And having younger kids around makes you want to have paper plates. <laughs> you know, and I understand that. Like when you said the sentimentality of it, I guess I would draw a little distinction between the sentimentality of having those things and maintaining them versus the functionality of how like we actually would go about using them. Because I, even I have a bunch of stuff from my grandma that I have a sentimental attachment to it from seeing it in her house, watching her, you know, bring it to bear at different gatherings and stuff these dishes hanging on the wall or being up on her uh, break front, which is what we all call the China cabinet here in our world. Um, If you call the break front something else, let us know. (laughs) (laughs) We're interested in what words you used. So really for us, it's more of a functionality thing. We had kind of a spread of ages in our kids and then we went through this period where like the, the grandkids were smaller and you, I don't know, you just want to avoid problems. So we'd set things up in kind of a little more of a buffet, you know, using the day-to-day dishes and stuff that we weren't that worried about. You know, I I can't really think of a situation now where I would bring out these, like my my great-grandma's wedding dishes, you know. Like I have some of these, but... I I sure as heck don't want to, like, get food on them, I guess. But why not? We have them. I suppose. Like, like, who am I saving this for? You and I having dinner, we could pull out some nice dishes and use them. Maybe we should do that. Now, I'm just going to try to steer us back to our stated (laughs) topic here. And that is the idea that your kids may or may not want your dishes. And I guess... That question is really more about making a place for your kids to be able to honestly tell you how they feel about this stuff. Good point. I also want to make the point that we're not just talking about dishes. We're talking about all of your stuff. Everything, yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of a student of the uh, Craigslist marketplace and like looking at what people sell on there, like in collectibles I don't know, for me, it's kind of taken over the space where I used to just go to Goodwill and browse stuff because it's just cool to see, like, what, what do people have? What are they tossing out? Not, not that I necessarily want a bunch of it, but it's just fun to see. And as kind of an offshoot from that, I started looking at websites where they hold estate sales. And it's given me kind of a, a viewpoint on what, somebody who professionally does an estate sale sees as that valuable thing because we've all got, you know, in that situation, it's, it's got the sentiment pulled away from it. This is 
what is this thing and how does it stand in the value slash collector world more so than like this was so-and-so's golf club? The dollar value. I guess, or the collector value, I guess that would be the same thing. But I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of a serial collector, so I've got this kind of intrinsic, you know, desire-based feeling of completing collections. And Very true. Like people could be just like, that's the thing I'm collecting. It's not worth much, but it completes my set or something. Yeah, I don't know. I, I grew up around a lot of people who would collect particular things like I've got zoo animals and they might be wood or crystal or origami or whatever and they would just be collecting that thing. So I guess a bunch of that got on me and now, now I'm doing it too or trying trying to stop or limit myself. So how do we have conversations in our family about these things that we have? It can get very emotionally charged sometimes, can't it? When you're settling somebody's estate, everybody wants that one dish. How do you settle it? Nobody wants it, but everybody's feeling too guilty about getting rid of it. There's getting rid of it at Goodwill, and they're selling it. There's a lot of different conversations, I think. You are probably talking more about ahead-of-time conversations, like us having conversations with our kids before we before we're dead. Yeah, like a conversation where we can say, "Hey, you know, these dishes have this kind of background in our family. Are you interested in having them and carrying that on, or are you not?" You know, and and f from the parent perspective, are you giving the message that if you're not, that's okay. Like, you don't have to feel like you're burdened with this thing forever because the world is the way it is and it is changing rapidly and it's going to change more rapidly after we're not a part of it. And when we look into the past, we see our parents' expectations for these things put onto us and it probably goes backwards, you know, and into the earlier generations that way where these expectations get passed forward and we, as the, I don't know, quote-unquote, old people of now, are in charge of how that expectation is going to be put forward. I think in the past, handing down objects was also a way of transferring wealth, but I don't think that is so much a part of this anymore. You mean, like, in the sense that... Uh, you know, grandma's jewelry box might have some gold brooch in it and you're giving it to the right person who's, you know, who's going to use it in some way or keep it in some way. And I guess I was thinking further back, like in the 1700s, passing something on to the next generation probably had a little more, if you had something that had monetary value, was probably a bigger, th like passing your wealth or your precious objects might have had a different meaning than nowadays. Yeah, I could see that. And, and I mean, personally, I can't really like identify with that having grown up, you know, not especially wealthy <laughs> or anything, but I guess some people have those kind of objects of value. And, and I guess if I'm just like looking at, at my own life for this, like I've got a lot of hobbies 
And in those hobbies, there's a couple of things that aren't like super valuable, but they're, they're not like throwaways. Like I've made a, I have a number of guitars cause I play guitar and I have a couple of them that are worth more than other ones. And I think our kids have a pretty good idea of which ones those are. And really, you know, I'm, I'm kind of turning the corner into the, the way of thinking that while I'm still alive is when I would rather just give that to somebody who I think is actually going to value it. Cause after we're gone, those decisions are just out of your hands. Yeah. And I mean, now all our kids are just sitting in a room looking at each other and, you know, each one of them's got their own particular worldview about what's important and that engagement is going to happen there. Fairly recently, I learned of a concept called Swedish death cleaning. Oh, that sounds pretty metal. <laughs> What's it all about? <laughs> it's about cleaning out your things before you die. Okay, so... So I would just be like culling through my own stuff and tossing it out as though I were dead? Things that you don't need anymore, get rid of. Or things that you want to pass on, pass them on. Is this kind of like that, uh, like does this spark joy in my life kind of thing? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably similar, but I think there's a little bit more of passing on, a little bit more of the death and life thought to it then maybe this is like an opportunity to identify things that could be passed on that you don't necessarily need to have in your own life any longer right gotcha or if you know none of the kids want the dishes maybe you have a cousin maybe you have somebody else that would actually like them or maybe you come to the nobody wants them yeah you know the more we've talked about this too uh, as a collector, I, I've had a lot of moments where I look at something that I've collected and I think to myself, gosh, 99% of the time, this is just like sitting in a cool, dry place in our house. And I'm interacting with whatever it is like once in a great while. Is there someone who I could give this to that for them, this would be some incredible you know, treasure that they could engage like more often than I am. Right. Sentimentality is a difficult one for me. I don't think everybody out there has that, but I associate objects with people and feelings and things that I have done. And I end up feeling guilty for getting rid of grandma's chair because grandma sat in that chair. Yeah, I understand that but it isn't something that fits into my life or anybody of any of my siblings' life. Who am I saving that for? And I haven't quite gotten to the point of getting rid of grandma's chair, but I do understand that nobody wants it. So sentimentality, how do we get past that? Is, is sentimentality an emotion? I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I'm not sure if, I would call that an emotion or... That's one of those I'm questions sure. <laughs> like, uh, is being hungry one of your senses or having to go to the bathroom, is that one of your senses? I guess from a certain perspective. So I suppose sentimentality 
is probably an, a type of emotional response to an object or situation or even a location, I guess. Some ways I have dealt with that is taking a picture of something because what I want is the reminder or the memory and then the object can go. Yeah. Sometimes when I feel like an object that I'm sentimental about has found a good home, I'm okay because I don't need it. I just wanted to make sure it found a good home and not the garbage. So that's how I've started to let go of things. That makes sense. So how can we create these safe situations for our kids to just give their genuine you know, reflections on this stuff. And, and I suppose I should say first that I understand full well that every young person is different and that the way that you think when you're 18 versus 28 versus 38 is going to be really different. Not only that, but the death of a parent can change, regardless of your age, once somebody dies your parent dies, something might be different about how you feel about that object. Yeah. A safe place to talk, I guess it's just start the conversation. Try not to have judgmental opinions on what they give feedback to you on. And I guess like for us, we've probably had these conversations in little bits, like as our kids have gotten older, like had a, each time a, a little more serious conversation, you know, giving them space to just have their off-the-cuff reaction as a teenager or whatever. Oh, I don't want any of this crap, you know, kind of a kind of a response. But then just kind of hanging on to it, you know, for a few more years and waiting until one of them might come around and say, oh, you know, I'm really interested in that topic or kind of thing now or all of a sudden – like in our case, we've found a couple of our kids have just showed up like being really interested in our family all of a sudden. And they want to know like, where, where did this come from? Who was that person? So I guess what, what I'm saying here is that this isn't about sitting your kid down and saying like, do you want these dishes or not? Because I'm throwing <laughs> them out, you know? Right. But it's about creating a kind of a culture between you and the child that we're going to talk about this once in a while and it's safe for you to have your opinion about it. And to change your opinion. Yeah. That happens. So that they don't end up having to make that kind of choice in that rough place, you know, when, when you're actually gone and emotions are running super high, it can become a lot harder to make those decisions. And I guess this has happened for us where we've ended up keeping like a slew of stuff from a relative that, you know, isn't even necessarily the important or arguably even the sentimental stuff just because it was theirs and I'm going to hang on to it and I miss this person and so I'm going to just move all this stuff in with me and, and have it. So there, you know. <laughs> Which, which is understandable, you know, it's a, it's a human response. You can't keep everything from a dead relative, right? You can't keep everything. Right. So 
there's making those choices and those decisions for your life. Will that fit into my house? Because <laughs> you don't want to go like have a storage spot that you're paying for. Oh, right. For some objects that you will never look at again. Yeah. Um, but it's okay to keep things and it's okay to keep them for 10 years and then go through. For, for me, I tend to let go of things over time. I'll go through it this year and I'll throw out a couple of things. And then three years later, I go through and I make a decision that I don't really need that anymore. So every time I go through the box, I get rid of a few more things that I, that I do that. Yeah, that's a good approach. I mean, you can just kind of take the things that you've kept and, and kind of uh, curate them. Going through your belongings and your papers before you pass away, it's kind of a gift to the next generation. And that helps me sometimes go through my stuff too. I don't want to leave my old bank statements from 1980 for somebody else to have to come across and realize just need to be shredded or tossed. Yeah. Um, one thing that my Aunt Ruth did for me was she had gotten rid of all of her financial papers. She had kept seven years worth the past seven years, and it was great to not have to go back through old papers just to make sure I didn't miss something. And I guess the advantage of taking that approach is that you right now have the perspective about your papers. You understand the importance of the the individual pieces and you might know in your heart like, yeah, this is a bank statement from 1982, you know, nobody's ever going to need this. I'm going to get rid of it so that my, my descendant who has no idea doesn't have to sit and like look at it and say like, well, this is here. Where did that transfer to? Is this important? Is this part of the current scheme of things that I have to deal with now? I think people who haven't dealt with this situation where someone dies and you're responsible for their things, they might have different like romanticized ideas about it. Like, oh, there's going to be a bunch of stuff and I get to pick whatever I want, you know, and that, that might sound really cool. But the reality of the situation turns out to be this house is full of things. It has to be emptied out in X time and you are responsible for getting it done. Hurry. And, and they can be completely overwhelming to have to get in there and vet a bunch of someone's belongings. I've always looked at it as stepping into their shoes. Aunt Ruth was the first person I've had to, that I had to do this for. And I remember going to her apartment and feeling like I'm putting on her shoes. I am her now. What's important? What's around here? That's a good way to look at it. So kind of to bring it back, yeah. the kids don't want all of your belongings. And maybe the first place to start is to just kind of wrap our heads around that. Not everything we have is something somebody else will want. Yeah, just because you liked it doesn't mean that some future generation is going to appreciate it in the same way. I remember talking to a friend about this one before. Um, I have my grandmother's rolling pin. And it means a lot to me to have it. She used it a lot. And I think it means a lot to us. We use it a lot. Yeah, I use it a lot too. But nobody beyond me that I'm aware of 
would have that connection to. It's just a wooden rolling pin. And when I talked to a friend about it, they mentioned, well, maybe it will be, if you make the story for the kids, like, why does it have a connection? So the, the, I guess what I'm trying to get at is something that's really very important to you. It's not valuable, but it has that sentiment. Make the story for the kids. And then they can maybe make a better decision about whether that means something to them. Well, and related to that, I mean, going forward for our kids, that's going to be your rolling pin. And that's going to be its story. Right. Right. But no pressure on the rolling pin, you guys. Yeah, you know, whatever. (laughs) We'll be gone, so. (laughs) Let's summarize this then. We want to use the techniques of Swedish death cleaning in our own life to take a look at the things that we have and what's important to us and what can be passed on now. And start some conversations with the next generation. Just open up the conversations. Yeah, because half of that conversation is getting comfortable with the responses. Right. You know, because you might hear something that you didn't want to hear or might be a surprise to you. Either way, right? Maybe you find out somebody does really want the dishes. Yeah, that's true. That could happen. Well, that's our show for this time. And we're sure glad to have you here. We'd love to hear what you think. Send us an email at rethinkagingofficial at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at rethinkaging. Thanks for listening.